0: I'm Colleen Sebigny, and this is Yoga for Life. There's an underlying belief that somehow we aren't enough, that we are unworthy, frauds, and losers. In Yoga For Life, we will uncover these self-imposed limitations that are keeping us from contentment and freedom. We will talk about caring too much what others think, fear of not adding up, seeking comfort, divorce, aging, relationships, grief, power, and of course, sex, one of my favorite topics. In this podcast, you can expect open, real, and raw dialogue about what keeps our hearts heavy, spirit hidden, and potential limited. We will give you yoga tools to peel back the layers, to find compassion and love for the person that is living in your body, and to learn to live the present moment fully
1: with all of its Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Bite, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Bite.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
0: Glory and its pain. You're listening to Yoga for Life, a Himalaya learning production. For exclusive content like yoga videos to accompany the podcast that you've just heard, go to Himalaya.com and enter promo code YOGA for your first 14 days free. We hope you enjoy. If you are loving these podcasts, it would be incredibly helpful if you could go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review for Yoga for Life. I will read them all, and with the help of Himalaya, we will choose three to give free access to the Himalaya Learning Platform, where there's a lot of bonus material from all of the podcasters. My offerings are yoga videos that accompany each podcast. I'll announce three winners in my eighth episode, so please go to Apple Podcasts and leave Yoga for Life a review. Thank you. Every week, we will clear the slate and begin each podcast with a short meditation. You don't have to know how to meditate. You just sit. So find an easy seat. Close your eyes. This is a meditation for sex, love, and spirituality. Have a feeling in the entire body that you're in awe, that you're presented with something that you love so much that there's no words. Notice what happens to the soft palate of your mouth. It rises like a dome. Bring your awareness to your heart center. Feel the support of the front of your heart the back of your heart, the top and bottom of your heart, and the sides, like your heart is floating and supported. Bring your awareness to your pelvis, specifically your pelvic floor. Feel the movement of the pubic bone down, the magnet of the tailbone to the earth. The drawing of the sit bones towards each other, and the containment of the vitality of your pelvic floor. Now spread the awareness to your entire body. Feel the love in the soft palate of the mouth. Notice the heart and the pelvic floor within the context of the entirety of your body. Gather your hands in front of your heart, and bowing your head to your heart. Dedicate your practice. Just this little practice of meditation, we give it as a gift. Release your hands down and slowly open your eyes. Welcome. I'm Colleen Sadman Yi, and this is Yoga for Life, a podcast where nothing is off the table and all leads to the awareness that we are enough. Today we're having a conversation with Rodney Yi about sex, love, and spirituality. Rodney is an internationally renowned yoga celebrity. He has been featured in more yoga videos than any other yoga teacher in the world. His passion is philosophy and the workings of this human body. His main achievement, however, is that he has put up with me for the last 17 years. I introduce you to my husband, Rodney Yee, a man that I spend 24 hours a day with. We are in love, we have a lot of sex, and we are constantly in the search for the meaning of spirituality. Hey baby, thanks for being here.
1: Hey, sweetheart, I think you've said it all.
0: (laughs) It's really nice to be able to be in the same room. I haven't had this opportunity on these podcasts yet because of the social distancing.
1: (laughs) No mask today.
0: (laughs) So anyway, let's just dive right in. You were instrumental in naming this episode. How do you see that these three subjects inform one another or even belong under the same heading, the same category?
1: First of all, let's talk about energy. I remember when I was a teenage boy, all of a sudden the sexual energy took over like a tidal wave, and it became in some ways almost unbearable. It took over my life. And as I realize aspects of love and aspects of spirituality, I realize the study of both and the cultivation of both, depend on a great deal of energy. So one might say the seed of the sexual energy should be cultivated into love, and that spectrum of love should eventually skyrocket into the world of spirituality.
0: So are you saying that sex comes first?
1: Not really. You might want to say, if it's not too much, that it's a trinity here and that one doesn't necessarily precede the first. Though I feel in the natural life, maybe we actually feel that spiritual love first from our mother. We have this amazing unconditional love, which I would say is the highest spectrum Self-love is somewhere in the middle spectrum of love. And then this whole world of spirituality, maybe we were born from that. So it's very hard to tell what comes first, the chicken or the egg. But as I follow my own life, I sort of sense that there is a feeling of some progression for my own life to work towards the pinnacle of understanding my soul and my spirit.
0: But that all started with sex. You understand that, right? (laughs) (laughs) The mother's love started with sex.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's a very good point. And, you know, I think that uh, sex has the full spectrum also. So obviously, even in the study of tantric yoga, you're using that energy of sex in a way that's going to really bring the full cultivation of spirituality. These are mysteries, all of them.
0: Where does spirituality come in? Is the moment after orgasm a spiritual moment because there is that momentary feeling of contentment or the place where there is nothing missing? Is that maybe a moment of enlightenment?
1: Well, it's funny because one of your teachers, Sharon Gannon, which you quote all the time, says that yoga is the state of nothing missing. And so i want to reiterate that what you just said i have to say in my life the time that that feels the most real is the moment after orgasm and i have to say that moment shows me in some ways another dimension that is not lacking so is there another way to come to this state or is there a way to prolong that state so in some sense that becomes the foundation for my reality
0: So that was really sex to spirituality. And when my mother had the talk with us, she would tell us that sex was fun. It's not bad, but it needs to be with the right person. And that right person is somebody that you love, and even more importantly, someone that loves you. So what are your thoughts about sex and love? Are they mutually exclusive?
1: This is a wonderful idea. I feel like in my life, I've had to figure out the dimensions of love and sexuality. And I think it's very confusing at first, to be honest. I think lust and sexuality is so powerful that one might confuse it for at least an aspect of love. I believe when love becomes more selfless and more about the general well-being of all beings, then I do believe that you're in some ways traversing the world of love and understanding the different components. And again, this is not necessarily a ladder in which you climb. I think it's important to visit all the different aspects of love and express that. I think we're meant to express ourselves fully. For me, I really wish that people really enjoy their sex life and really have an abundance in that world so that they have full enjoyment of their body. And so they cultivate that enjoyment also into a feeling that they have abundance of energy for other things, such as selfless love. That in fact, they can give up this self-centeredness and come into a state where love maybe is not just the answer. Love is everything. So in some ways, sex belongs to the umbrella of love. And love really is not without anything that we experience in the human spectrum.
0: So would you say that romantic love might be training wheels? for that universal, selfless
1: love? Well, again, I hate to put it in such a linear fashion because sometimes I think maybe even children feel more the spiritual aspects of love because they actually have no sense of self yet. So I think in some ways, the spiritual pot actually may come first. And then you fill it up with things that you may get confused of like, is this what love is? And in fact... It's a return maybe back to that selflessness and that place where you actually don't exist as a separate entity. And therefore, we make the full circle to understand the variations on the theme and how important every ingredient is in this gorgeous, beautiful life of ours.
0: Yeah, I love that you brought in kids there and spirituality We always say, as we started saying, that that place where nothing is missing is spirituality. And when you come back to kids, they are loved. They're not worried about where their next meal is coming from. They have shelter, and they have wonder. So it seems like they are in that spiritual realm because nothing is missing. Everything is cared for. And I think in yoga class, When we're curled up in fetal position, we get a glimpse of that. It's like, okay, that's the position in mother's womb. I was dancing with my mother's breath. I was feeling that connection, that food, that shelter. Nothing was missing. So I feel like we emulate that almost fetus in yoga class. And maybe that's another glimpse of love and spirituality.
1: One thing I'd like to say is you and I have had wonderful childhoods. And so there are a lot of children, obviously, that don't get fed. And they don't have that love that we have felt so intimately in our childhood. Yet, you look in a child's eyes, and no matter what the circumstance, I feel they still carry that innocence that, in some ways, more connected to what real spiritual love is. In fact, in the Balinese culture, they don't even let the infant touch the ground for the first year, partly because they see that infant as a link to the spiritual world. And they, in some ways, want to maintain that link. So as we get older, a lot of times, our memory, our bodies that hold the score, if you will, that keep the score, in some ways, eclipse our more foundational, broader, more complete sense of spirituality and love. Maybe spirituality is complete selfless love. And, you know, we always consider that what I want from you, actually, is unconditional love. And sometimes I test you. I feel like, can I test you to the point where you don't love me? And then, therefore, that shows that your love is conditional, So I think some of our romance has to do with trickery and difficulty and also tripping and falling because I think we're testing each other because we want to evolve into this place where no matter who I am, Colleen, no matter what I do in my life, yes, you can lock me up in a prison somewhere, but still I want to know under this blue sky, you unconditionally love me. So whatever our travel may be, I want to see the foundation of that back again. And to me, somehow, as a child, no matter what the circumstance, I touch that more completely.
0: Do you think that unconditional love for another human being is A, possible, and B, even approachable if you don't have that unconditional love for yourself.
1: Self-love is interesting, and you might have caught during the very first thing I said, I said maybe self-love is in the middle of the spectrum. And again, I don't want to consider that this is a ladder, but I want to consider that all of the elements are important. For instance, when you make soup, maybe there is a progression of what you put in the pot first. Slowly, though, you want all the ingredients in the pot, because it is actually the completeness of this minestrone soup with a lot of different things that really makes it rich. And it may even be flavors from the pot that your parents cooked something in 10 years ago. And so in some ways, maybe this residue of love is a recapitulation of thousands and millions of lifetimes thrown into the pot of the body of now, And maybe still that, that completeness has to do with experiencing every little atom of love as it is, unadulterated, unjudged, and completely flat-out real.
0: Yeah, a lot of the great sages that we study don't necessarily have romantic love, and they have taken a vow of brahmacharya, which is sexual containment or celibacy. But they're deep into the spirituality. I know one of our favorite yoga stories is this man is thinking that he's reached these heights of spirituality. And he walks miles and knocks on the guru's door and says, I'm seeing visions. I think I'm enlightened. You know, I've been in my cave meditating for years. And the guru says, go back and be a householder. That's the only way that you're going to understand the struggles in order to find this kind of spirituality. Sitting in a cave is easy. Being a householder is where the real work is.
1: You know, it's funny. I think we all come into this life with completely different set of experiences. And I believe that some people need to go back and be a householder. And I think maybe some people born into this life have already done that. And so maybe they actually can be an honest monk. And what I mean by honest, I mean that, you know, when you talk about sexual power and prowess, I think when that is repressed at all, it comes out, unfortunately, like we've seen with monks, they're actually not celibate, and they're actually destroying their vows, and they're also interrupting people's lives with lies and dishonesty. But that is a repression. And I think that we have to be very careful with sexual energy, that it gets expressed in a healthy way. And when I mean healthy, there's as little injury as possible to the world from you exploring your sexuality.
0: Someone who is addicted to sex, sex can very well be an addiction, a craving, a thinking that somehow I'm going to finally get comfort if I can, instead of take this drink, find some unknown person just to have sex with. Maybe... That's a searching for spirituality. Maybe that's just this craving for love. Maybe that's violence and harmful to your own body.
1: Let's go back to the moment I told you about after orgasm. It's an amazing state of being. And I myself crave that state of being because I'm in pain and I'm suffering most of the time. Not that that's the over covering of everything that I experience, but there is definitely some insidious difficulty in my life. And when that's gone, I mean, the feeling is so magnificent. So why wouldn't I try to be addicted to that feeling? I'm naturally going to be addicted to that. The question then is, does that addiction destroy other things so completely that I can't actually continue to strive for that feeling? Is that striving for that feeling actually more of the intense suffering? And this is where it becomes a tangled mess. You can easily start putting knots all over the place. And this is where you have to wait a little bit and say, no, wait, I might be able to get to this place by being inside the suffering." By actually experiencing life completely, by being involved in the intensity of what I'm feeling inside, so that I'm not actually searching for a plateau of peace, but I'm actually finding the seed of peace inside everything that blooms.
0: So that's a frame of reference. That moment after orgasm is a frame of reference.
1: It is. I love the way you're saying that because I'm thinking, wow, if I do these activities, I get this feeling. But in fact, maybe that feeling is the truth. So even though that's a frame of reference, I might be able to get to that place indefinitely. I can reside in that place and let life rise from that. But even Gandhi says it takes so much more energy to be peaceful than it does to be violent. And therefore, you understand why the religious text wants you to cultivate the sexual energy because it's a big battery of force and vibration. So if you can learn how to, in some ways, cultivate it, then you can cultivate it into finding actually what's below that. Instead of reaching for something, you have to in some ways use this energy to cut out the illusion of separateness because it's the illusion of separateness that I believe is the root of all suffering. So the irony is that sexuality with or without someone else feels like you're joining together to create this combustion that actually then creates this result. But in fact, what may be taking place as this combustion of energy may actually be clearing the fog of illusion.
0: So you're saying that practicing celibacy is containing that energy, so you have that energy for spiritual selfless pursuit. But then you're also saying that the physicality of sex is releasing pressure, creating space, maybe coming back to that sense of calm, which could also be spiritual, which is sort of what we've been talking about this whole time But is that depleting your energy?
1: Yes. You know, let's say you have a finite amount of energy, this battery, and you have to use it to battery the tools that you're using for self-discovery. But there's no roadmap. For instance, you may use the tool of a jackhammer, and I may use the tool of an electric drill, because somehow that's the appropriate tool for me and my dharma in order to get to the source. So, I don't know how you're going to drill into the center of your being. And I'm not quite sure how I'm going to do it for myself. And I love in a Tibetan Buddhist text, I read that in the world of spirituality, everybody must invent the wheel themselves. So, that's different than the physical world. Someone invented the wheel a long time ago, and I'm riding around in my car enjoying that invention. I don't even know how that actually got solved. But in spirituality, you can get hints and wisdom from other people, but in the end of the day, you have to slay these internal dragons of illusion yourself. So you have to ask yourself, is sex being overused so that it's actually keeping me depleted and actually in this state of lethargy where I'm not actually questing for spirituality?
0: For us, it was explosive, primal, physical attraction right off the bat, something that neither one of us could deny. And that, I believe, came before the love. And we were already both in a high quest for spirituality. So, therefore, the order of this podcast... The sex, love, spirituality, for us, was the right sequence. We talk about sequencing all the time, or it was our sequence, not necessarily even the right sequence.
1: Well, you know, you always tell me in order to go up, you got to go down. And so (laughs) we went down, baby. (laughs) And now we're rising back up. And I think we have really felt over the last 17 years the amazing fullness of having an amazing sexual life and also delving as deep as we can into trying to understand what spirit is. And that love includes our entire family now brothers, sisters, moms and dads, sons and daughters, aunts and uncles. And really, it's not missing a thing.
0: When you say go down, go ahead and explain that.
1: Well, you always talk about Michael Jordan saying, you know, in order to jump high, you have to actually go down and push into the earth. Well, I feel like the sexuality is that earth. It's of the body. It's of the earth. And I feel like to go down and dwell in that source of energy and that subject, allows you to rise up like a great redwood tree from the earth to the sky. And I feel like the whole redwood tree is that. At one point in time, even as its seed, it's already touching the sky. And even as it lays on its side dead, it has been fully alive. And like Robinson Jeffers says in his Ode to His Wife, burn her body, she has completely used it. She has completely lived, and I feel like I've been able to completely live through you and with you.
0: I love you, I lust you, and I look forward to the rest of our life and the search for spirituality. Gather your hands in front of your heart, bowing your head to your heart. The deepest part of me bows, sees, and loves The deepest part of you. Namaste. Namaste. Thank you for listening to Yoga for Life. We've been having a real conversation here with Rodney Yee about sex, love, and spirituality. Thank you for joining, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening. To get the most out of this show, check out the yoga videos available only on the Himalaya Learning platform. Himalaya Learning provides bite-sized courses from world-class thinkers and industry experts for you to enjoy in the app, on the go. To access exclusive content for this show and others like it, go to Himalaya.com and enter promo code YOGA for your first 14 days free. We hope you enjoy I hate to break this yoga buzz that you may be feeling from this conversation but if you're loving these podcasts please leave me a review on apple podcast for the chance to win free access for three months of the himalaya learning platform where i have videos that accompany each podcast and you will also have access to bonus material from all of your favorite himalaya podcasters so go to apple podcast and leave us a review This podcast is produced, recorded, and mixed by Cynthia Daniels at Monk Music Studios in East Hampton, New York. The theme music for Yoga for Life was composed by Rob and Melissa. Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many rogues that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga,